Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey guys, you're listening to the Intentionally Inspirational Marketing Talk podcast. Now for your hosts, Jason Wright and Brandy Montambo. What is going on everybody? Jason right here. This is episode number 194. And again, I'm super slow at releasing the podcasts. My bad. Looks like one in July, one in August, and here we are in September. What is going on around here? You know what's interesting is I just looked back because I, I literally didn't remember. See how long I've been podcasting now? April 2nd of 2016 was my first episode. Four and a half years, my friends. Good God, that goes by quick. Anyway, at least I'm still moving forward with it, right? Sometimes we fall a little bit off the wagon, but here we are. Anyways, um, today I actually talked to a repeat guest and a friend, uh, Nate Hirsch. Uh, he was on a previous episode, somewhere between number one and now. So you'll need to dig around and check it out. But it's a great episode today. And before we, we get into that, I want to... Just go unplugged with you for a moment. Is that okay? You like to ask questions like as if I expect a response from you right now? Just nod along if you're listening. Um, But, you know, it's been a really interesting year, obviously, with the economy and COVID and just how things have changed. And it's easy as a human to find yourself um, kind of mentally wore out from life, from business, from the routine of things, from the path you've been headed down, but it's nice to kind of uh, reevaluate your focuses, uh, figure out where you want to go next, kind of get re-excited about the journey. That's the part I love, the journey. The destination is like, seems like one of those things, like when you set your goals and you hit them, once you hit them, you're like, oh, okay, I hit it. Now what? And it's the destination that keeps you motivated, keeps you going, so at least for me. Maybe I'm weird in that way, but... It's a lot of fun. Uh, just here in the last, I don't know, two weeks probably, I've kind of dealt with my own business. Said, okay, where have I come from, and where do I want to go next? Why do I want to go there, and how am I going to get there? And it's a lot of fun to do. So, if you haven't done that lately, if you find yourself in a rut, if you are in need of some change to get yourself reengaged, give that little exercise a try. I definitely recommend it. All right. So the sponsor of this podcast is as of late, uh, is still Perfect Email Secrets. If you guys are looking for a great foundational welcome sequence for any business, for any welcome sequence, uh, go to perfectemailsecrets.com. I'll give you uh, my foundational sequence there in an explainer video to help you get started or help you improve maybe in what you've already got. And again, a welcome sequence is once somebody gets on your list and they get whatever lead magnet you promised them, just a couple of emails that kind of tells them where they are, what they can expect, and how they can benefit from being in your world. So, uh, super foundational, super important for every business. So, there's a little gift for you. And I think you'll find value. Okay. So, check that out and let me know what you think. All right. Enough about me and my thoughts and my resources. Um, let's dive into this conversation with Nate. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. We recorded this several months back. Uh, like I mentioned, I've been really slow at releasing them lately, but. Uh, I know this one will be worth the wait, so check it out and uh, definitely let me know what you think. 
What's happening, everybody? Jason right here. I've uh, got a, another great guest with me, a repeat guest, actually. We've got Nate Hirsch with me today. Let me tell you about Nate. Nate is uh, currently the co-founder of a company called Outsource School. Um, Nate built an e-commerce company in the past up to $25 million in revenue, which is phenomenal. And uh, most recently sold a company he had called FreeUp um, for an unknown amount, which we won't ask him. But he's been on hundreds of podcasts. He's been on EO Fire. Uh, Nate's a real deal. Welcome back to the show, man. Dude, appreciate you having me back. It, it should be fun. Absolutely. So since the last time I, I spoke to you about FreeUp, tell me about your world. What's been going on? Yeah, I mean, I think when we started FreeUp, and I forget exactly what year we, we talked, and I think the initial reaction was like, oh, great, another freelance marketplace. Like, that, <laughs> that, that, like that's what the world needs right now, right? Yeah. And And so we were fortunate enough that we came up with what I felt was a different value proposition. I, I really built the marketplace on what I wanted. I wanted a platform that I could just go to that, that already pre-vetted VAs that I could just put in a request, get someone quickly, get started same day, have great support if I needed anything 24-7. And if someone quit on me, have that no turnover guarantee where they would cover replacement costs because turnover is expensive. It's a nightmare. And so yep. we, we kind of took it to market with that minimum viable product. We, we spent $5,000 building this really crummy software that, that did very little. And people liked our, our customer service. People liked the, the VAs. And we ran out of VAs. We had to start what we called our, our freelance success team and, and started recruiting virtual assistants and freelancers. And finally, we, we got enough bad feedback on our software to start looking at ourselves as a software company and investing in developers and quality assurance people and using Jira and, and everything that goes with that. And we were able to scale it from that, that $5,000 investment to doing a million dollars in the first year, which kind of validated our, okay, we have something here. And then we went to 5 million the second year, 9 million the third, uh, and 12 million in 2019. And we did it just using our own platform, practicing what we preach. We had no office, no US employees, 35 VAs in the Philippines doing our customer service, our billing, our social media, my business partner, myself, and our developer who's also in the US. And, and that was it. And from there, one of our clients reached out to us halfway through uh, 2019. The, 2019, uh, Mark Hargrove, David Martin, two great entrepreneurs that run the Hoth. It's a SEO company that's about an hour and a half for me. So that was kind of cool. And they reached out. They said, hey, we, we love FreeUp. We've been a client of FreeUp. We want to get into the freelancer space. We don't want to start a, something from scratch. And would you guys be open to an acquisition? And at the time, we, we kind of treated it like every business decision. We, we would hear them out. And they presented us with an offer that we felt like was more than fair, if not aggressive. And from there, the, the due diligence began and, and they had a, a million questions for us. We had just as many questions for them. We wanted to make sure that we weren't selling the business to someone who's going to drive it into the ground or hurt our reputation or destroy the partnerships and the relationships that we had spent so much time building along with treating our internal team, treating the VAs and the clients on the platform well. And I mean, we learned everything about them from their, their successes, their failures, their past companies, how they treat people. We got to visit their office um, and we were very impressed and they had a lot more experience taking a company from 10, from 10 million or 12 million to 50 million. And so from there, I guess the, the mind numbing part began and that was the lawyers and getting them involved. And that wasn't really their fault or our fault. That's just kind of part of the process. And 
um, then we had the, the tough decision to make. And we decided to, first of all, make sure that everyone on our internal team, that their jobs were safe and we weren't going to sign anything unless that was part of it. And we took $500,000 from the sale and gave it to our internal team in the Philippines to, to make sure they were taken care of. And that was by far the toughest part of selling the business is not being able to, to work with them anymore. Although we still talk to them and, and have a great relationship with them. And we made that decision. And I think even then we, we kind of, you're crossing your fingers and you're hoping that all of that wasn't just a facade. And then after the sale and after you signed the paper, it would go poorly. But during the transition, they were great at checking in with the internal team, which we still do. They're loving it. They love the new people. Obviously they miss us on some level, but it's tough to turn down something when it's a win-win for everyone. And once we finished that transition, now we're working on our new venture outsource school, which we want to teach people essentially how we did it. Cause we didn't just wake up one day and hire 35 VAs and cross our fingers and <laughs> hope it worked out. We yeah. had a real processes for interviewing, onboarding, training, managing. We had process for getting on podcasts, for lead generation, all of that. And so we want to share that through our school. And that same developer that built FreeUp, that's part of the uh, buyout, he's building VA software as well to go with it. So we're excited to see where this takes us. Very cool, man. Yeah, I remember, uh, I think you posted in the main ClickFunnels group on Facebook uh, about the acquisition. I was like, holy cow, that's a big deal. Like you don't hear about, you know, there's not too many online uh, entrepreneurs that get companies bought out. So it's pretty exciting, man. Very cool. Uh, you'll, you'll appreciate this. Um, it wasn't too long ago. Uh, my wife's working for my company now. Uh, <laughs> not really by her choice. I mean, she realizes she needs to step in helping some areas, but she's not passionate about it like I am. And uh, I was talking to her and she's like, you know, how do you, how do you do this? And I was trying to explain it to her. And she's like, I don't know what any of that means. And I had this revelation. I said, man, my, my VAs that I've had in the past have been good people, but the reason they failed was my fault. I have no processes in place. It's all in my head. And I should know better because I was in HR in the corporate world and I designed processes and programs. And um, so we have a, a remote team now and uh, they're all in the US and the UK right now. And uh, nobody's a VA by title, but everybody helps with different stuff. So we get our stuff covered. But it was kind of a hard realization. I was like, oh, this is my fault. This is all me. You know, I would hire somebody. I would have uh, ideas for them. And then I would run out of work for them. It's because I, I didn't have enough stuff laid out. But um, having that remote team member, having that help is so important. Yeah. And I think there's a certain self, a uh, sense of like uh, personal responsibility that good entrepreneurs yeah. have, even if it's not hiring. Like we had a situation with free up early in year one with our, where our software crashed on the weekend. And, and I, it's easy to be like, how dare you? Like it's our developer's fault. But <laughs> at some point you have to have a personal responsibility that you didn't yeah. prepare better. And, and yeah. I think the entrepreneurs that focus less on, on what they can't control and more on what they can control, which is the systems, the processes, the backups, the putting systems in place so you don't repeat the same mistakes over and over again. Those are the ones that, that have success long-term, even though there might be some bumps in the road. Yep. Very cool. Um, you know, it's funny as I can think of a dozen people right now that are mostly online entrepreneurs and they still are so resistant to get help. It's just them. <laughs> And they wonder why they're capped at a certain point. I was like, you're human, bud. You can't do more than you can do. Like, and, and some people are just so uncomfortable delegating, even if it's a few hours a week. Like, what, what kind of advice would you give somebody like that? 
Yeah, it's funny because you have all these different aspects of business, right? And you wouldn't just wake up one day and be like, oh, marketing's not working. I'm just not going to do marketing anymore. Or, hey, like bookkeeping is, is too hard. I'm just not going to do the bookkeeping on my business. But, <laughs> but for some reason, we do that with hiring and we don't treat it as that same level as an essential part of the business. And yeah, hiring is hard. Like no one has a 100% hiring record. It just, it doesn't exist. But the entrepreneurs that start focusing on the systems and the processes and getting it into that 70 to 95% success instead of that yeah. 20 to 40%, those are the ones that scale. And we kind of live in, in a you know, crazy age where you don't really need to come up with anything unique, right? I mean, there's yeah. entrepreneurs out there that come up with really great ideas, but never go anywhere because they can't hire the right people. But then there's people out there that are Amazon sellers, that are marketing agencies, that how many marketing agencies are there out there, but they can still crush it because they hire the right people to take them to the next level. So yep. hiring is really that thing that separates the great entrepreneurs from the poor entrepreneurs, even more than that great idea, which a lot of people focus on. Yeah, I think that's really well said, man. And it's funny, um, it's funny about hiring. Uh, I didn't realize this as much. Um, in the corporate world, I think people can kind of hide behind it, but there, there's a lot of people who are terrible at hiring. Like they just, they just don't get it. And it's not even, they picked the wrong people, but like they're part in that relationship. It, you, it's a relationship. Like when you hire somebody and they become part of the team, you got to treat them that way. And there's so many people that just, uh, they hire somebody and they just step <laughs> away and it's just such a missed opportunity. You know, I've always been a believer that the people you surround yourself with, whether it's business partners, teammates, or clients, that's what's going to define your success or your failure. And I wish people would pay more attention to that because it is so important. Yeah. So with my Amazon business, I had 50% turnover at one point. I mean, I was 20 <laughs> to 22. I was, I was pretty young and, and I'd only had one job that was an internship. And yeah. my manager was terrible in the sense that he stressed everyone out. He looked over your shoulder. No one liked working with him. But as a young entrepreneur, that, that's really the only management style I ever learned. So that yeah. was what I incorporated into my business. And I remember that I, I had like the third consecutive person quit on me for the same position. And I sat down with them and I said, Hey, would you mind doing an exit interview? And I don't know if you've ever done an exit interview before, oh, yeah. but it could not be more uncomfortable. It's a really uncomfortable experience. And this is back when I had an office before I got rid of that. And we're sitting across the table. He's kind of mad at me. I'm upset with him. And he, he just like, <laughs> He just lays it out there. He tells me everything I'm doing wrong from how I talk to people to how I send emails to how I run meetings to how the, our culture is terrible. And he just hit me at my core. And, and the last thing that he, he said to me is just always resonated with me. He's like, do you, by the way, like in the six months or whatever he worked there, this is the first time you actually asked me for my feedback. And that really resonated with me. And now I, I ask everyone for feedback. And, and that doesn't mean you have to take every feedback and change something instantly, but that feedback is gold. And fast forward, when I hired Chicky Ann, my first virtual assistant, who was a fantastic hire, and then I struggled to hire VAs after her, I went to her and I said, what am I doing wrong? Like, what do I need to know about working with people in the Philippines? What are your other good clients doing? What are your bad clients doing? And Again, she just was open and honest and she said, hey, you need to talk to people differently. You need to focus on family. There are certain cultural differences that you have to be aware of. And I really took that as a stepping stone to create the hiring process that we now teach at Outsource School because it's so true that what you said is there are people that are bad at hiring, but the good news is you can get better at it over time. And, yep. and by having systems and processes that work, you can apply them and tweak them and, and quickly turn that around. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, 
What, what would you say? I'm just kind of curious, uh, just an idea I had. Uh, what would you say has been some of your personal secrets to repeated success? Obviously, success once is uh, awesome success several times in a row. You're, you're on to something. You're doing something well. What do you attribute that to? So there's two things that, that I think have uh, have really helped me over the years. First of all, I, I kind of learn myself and when I'm when I'm the most productive during the day. I mean, I work from home. I think everyone's kind of working from home now and yeah. they realize all the distractions and everything that goes along with it. But what I've been able to do is say, hey, for me, and, and this doesn't apply to everyone, from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., that's my most productive time in the day. So whatever the highest priority thing is, whatever that big project is, that's when I'm doing it. I'm not going on podcasts. I'm not doing all that. I podcasts are for the afternoon after I've already done my most productive time. So I focus on that. And the second is the first thing I do every morning is I reach out to three new entrepreneurs to network, not to sell them, not to pitch them, just to get to know them, to see if I can help them to add value. And three might not seem like a lot, but you fast forward five years later and all of a sudden your network has grown. You've learned a lot. You have all these connections. Eventually it leads to opportunities and business in some way and great relationships. And that's something that I never did with my Amazon business because at the time Amazon was kind of secret. I didn't want anyone to steal my business ideas and <laughs> all the classic young entrepreneur, entrepreneur garbage that um, people think. But I think those two things alone you're, you're going to slowly accomplish more and more if you're spending the, your most productive hours doing the most important thing and you're constantly meeting and networking with better and better entrepreneurs. I wouldn't say better and better, but different entrepreneurs over the years. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. I love it. Uh, let me ask you this. At this point in the game, you've had great success. You've been doing this a while. Do you ever have any, any moments where you're like, oh, crap, this isn't going to work? Do you still <laughs> have that creeping, uh, that negative talk once in a while? Yeah. So it's funny. My business partner, Connor, he is the most optimistic entrepreneur that you'll ever meet. And yeah. I, I'm much more on the, the pessimistic side, not in the sense of like, woes me or my life sucks yeah. or anything like that. More in like, I'm always looking for that flaw that could take us down, that could hurt us. So I think the combination of both of those works really well because yep. he's always thinking positive and I'm kind of there to reel him back in like, Hey, we need to focus on this right now, or this is going to come back to bite us. So I, I think all the time I'm thinking about that. And, and, and also what I, I tell people is just because I, I sold free app and had success there doesn't mean my next business is going to be successful or my next business. There's a certain element of failure. There's a certain element of just randomness and, and stuff that happens. Like we're going through the, the COVID-19, like my gym across the street crushing it wakes up one day and they can't do business anymore. Like that, that stuff just happens. And so there, there's no guarantee of success. I, I think the one thing that I keep in mind is is failure happens and I get rejected almost every single day. And, and that's because I put myself out there, whether it's reaching out to entrepreneurs and someone and talk to me, some don't, whether it's trying to get on podcasts or finding affiliates for outdoor school, or, or I might have ideas that work or ideas that don't work. And but that's because I'm constantly putting myself out there. And over time, you kind of forget about the failures and, and small things that are victories. Those are the things you remember and you learn from it and you do those more and more. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's funny because, uh, yeah, there's some clients that I work with that as soon as I, I figured out the COVID-19 was going to be a big deal, I thought about their business and I was like, oh boy, that's not the business to be in. So right. for guys like you and me who are already online, you know, the day to day doesn't change much except for if you do have kids, like my door is locked right now because I've learned that when I tell my kids, Hey, I'm going to be in a podcast or in a call. They're like, okay, no walk in anyway. And I'm like, really? <laughs> Like sometimes I'll even say hi and I'm like, what are you doing? They're not little either. They're just bold, I guess. But you know, that's the biggest distraction. But for, I think 
millions of businesses going forward since this has happened once, I know it can happen again. So I think you're going to see, I think you're in the perfect business now because there's going to be a lot more people who are maybe hesitant about the VA stuff, um, hesitant about learning what you're teaching that are going to be gobbling it up now, you know? Yeah. And there's a certain sense of becoming creative. So my gym across the street, they message everyone. They said, Hey, we're doing these live streams now it's 20 yep. bucks a month and i was the first person to sign up like that's yep. awesome that's creative that's a great idea to, it probably doesn't cover what they would make it doesn't cover what they would make in memberships normally but it at least pays the bills it allows them to keep at least some of the staff on and, yep. and sometimes it's holding down the ford and, and i do agree that businesses are going to start having to make adjustments and tweak what they're doing uh going forward and it does take some getting used to. I mean, even my, my fiance who is, who works at express scripts uh, in the, the pharmaceutical industry, like she's working from home now for the first time. And yeah. it took us a week to figure it out. Like you're at this part of the house. I'm in this part yeah. of the house. Like let's communicate and make sure that I don't go down talking on the phone when she's on an important meeting and she's not talking to me when I'm on podcast. So th there's a certain element to that as well. Yep. Absolutely. Um, man, I just had a thought and it escapes me. It'll come back. <laughs> Um, so tell me this, um, why should every serious entrepreneur who's uh, kind of maxed out in their own hours, why should all of them, even the ones that are resistant, why should they consider a VA? What are three benefits that you would say of that first VA, that first hire that can really help everybody? Yeah, I think, first of all, the average entrepreneur is only good at one to three things. I know we yeah. think we're good at a lot of things, but we normally have our one to three core competencies. And once you realize, for example, I'm not good at bookkeeping, me doing my own bookkeeping is not a good use of time. I'm going to hire a VA bookkeeper and, gotcha. and take that off my plate right from the beginning. Not only are my books going to get done better, but I'm not going to spend all my time repeating my work because I'm probably not going to do it well anyway. Second, when you hire someone, like I'm hiring a VA now to schedule my podcast, handle my inbox, stuff like that, it gives you a head start to every single day. Instead of spending the first hour going through my inbox, scheduling things and all that, I can get started, like I said before, on my most important projects and spend more energy on those, on the big picture stuff, rather than the small person, the small stuff. And then third, it, it raises the ceiling of your business. So by the end of free up, RVAs were billing us like 2,000 hours a week. I think it might have even been more than that. I couldn't work that many hours a week if I wanted to. So <laughs> the, the, there's a certain element that your business is only go so far. And there's very few $1 million, $5 million a year solo entrepreneurs out there. It really yeah. just doesn't exist. You have to hire people if you want to take it to the next level. And fortunate enough, we live in, in an amazing time where you get access to people all over the world at different price points, at different skill sets that you don't have to hire full time. You can start them for five hours a month, like my bookkeeper, or hire them for 10 hours a week, like my assistant. And, and you have that flexibility. And all you need is the systems and processes to implement to, to start going in that direction. Yeah, it's funny what you mentioned. Um, I always tell people like five hours a week can change your life. Like five hours yeah. a week is a lot of time. And it's generally not very expensive. I mean, the trade off is uh, it's a no brainer. It's a really it's a really big plus there for sure. So I love it, man. So you guys are uh, focused on outsource school um, probably the rest of this year, I would imagine. Um, do you have anything else planned this year? Any other projects or launches you're working on? Uh, it's funny. So outdoor school is our main focus. I, right after the sale, Connor and I were experimenting with different things like reading about real estate and all that. And we never really pulled the trigger, which I'm kind of happy I didn't pull the trigger on real estate before <laughs> all this happened. Um, so I think right now we just have our heads down. We're focused on outdoor school. We also had like a lot of travel and stuff coming up and all that's canceled. So there's not much to do between besides just focus on building your business right now. And I think people out there that, that, are, that spend the next 
two, three months, hopefully less, just working on their business and are going to come out on top and, and have yeah. a lot ready to go. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I think on the back side of this, whatever that looks like, uh, if your business was in demand before it, I think, you know, especially with what, what you and I do, it's different, but it's, it's kind of catered to the same audience in a way. Um, it could be intense, you know, a lot of new business opportunities on that backside. So uh, it's funny, a few days ago, I was uh, looking at one of my older funnels and I was like, hey, why isn't this thing, why am I not putting this thing out there? And I went to look at one thing and I noticed something else and I was like, oh, so I get down this like six hour rabbit hole of completely rebranding and revitalizing this whole funnel, I actually found a bump offer that I was selling that didn't exist. And I was like, oh my God, how'd that happen? So it gave me the chance to uh, get everything really clean. And I, I keep telling people, don't lay around and take a vacation. Like this is the time to go through your stuff. This is the time to have those tough conversations with yourself. Where am I weak? Where am I holding the business back? Because on the other side of this, there's going to be great opportunity. And I don't know about you, brother, but I'm not going down in this. I'm coming out stronger than ever. Yeah. So I was chatting with Mark Hargrove the other day, the, the entrepreneur that bought free up. And yep. I mean, it'd, it'd be easy for him to be like, woe is me right now and all of yeah. that. But I mean, he had, he had an awesome, he was like, Hey, it's easy to have success as an entrepreneur when everything's going well and the economy is yeah. going up year after year. But now we kind of find out what we're made of and that's yeah. what we've been telling our team. And yeah, I mean, they've seen a dip in business, like almost every business out yeah. there, but I, I still feel like they're in great position to succeed once all this is over oh, as yeah. the industry goes in that direction. So they have their head down. They have their entire team's head down on just fixing systems, making systems and processes better. So whenever this ends, they're ready to go. They're more efficient than before. And then they can focus on growth. And I think we all can learn from that and focus like that. Absolutely. Well said, my friend. Nate, if anybody watching or listening wants to learn more about you or Outsource School, tell us the best way to do that. Yeah, I'm one of the easiest people that, to contact online. Nathan Hersha on Facebook, then LinkedIn, the real Nate Hersha on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, go to OutdoorSchool.com, join our newsletter. We have a lot of awesome stuff going on. We have our Cracking the VA code, which teaches you our exact process to interview, onboard, train, and manage virtual assistants. We have the podcast outreach formula, which teaches you how to use podcasts to wake up every day to a list of podcasts for you to be on. And we're launching more courses on how to hire a VA bookkeeper, a VA lead generation person, stuff like that, along with SOP building software that, that we're excited about. So um, we'd love for you to follow along the journey. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. Well, as always, uh, appreciate you coming back on the show. Great episode today. Uh, really enjoyed your time and hearing what you're up to. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem. So, All right, we are back to the show. Thanks for checking that out. Nate, I know you're listening. Uh, appreciate your time and your expertise, my friend, as always. And for anybody who wants to check out um, more about Nate, Outdoor School, and his resources, you can go to intentionallyinspirational.com forward slash episode 194. 194. All right, guys, as you head off into the rest of your week, I challenge you to be thinking about the things that matter most in business, right? Where have I come from? right? It's really easy to forget about celebrating our wins, right? Remember where you've come from. Ask yourself honestly, do I like where I'm headed? And if you don't, do something about it. Do something differently. Okay. The journey is uh, the part where we learn, the part where we, where we succeed and we fail and we step out of the comfort zone and all that good stuff. So uh, don't take it lightly. It's a very important piece to who we are as entrepreneurs and people. So Love that stuff. Uh, appreciate you listening. Uh, as always, we'll catch you hopefully next week with a new episode. Till then, take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of the show. 
To keep up with everything that we're doing, please visit intentionallyinspirational.com. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out our video podcast on YouTube. See you next time.